live from Mike Drucker's hotel room. Hello. It's a pretty good day. That's right. Uh, the uh, Pockets Full of Soup show about the best days of our lives. Uh, so, Mike, uh, you're coming on here to talk about a great day from your life. Now, to lay the ground rules, we're not gonna we're not gonna make you rank anything here. Right, it's yeah. not like this is the best day I ever had. Right. This is about the days that we remember. Yeah. Um, life is full of awful days. And life is even more full, I think, for many of us of mundane days, days that we remember pieces right. of. And But every now and then there's a day or a part of a day that just sticks in your mind. Yeah. And I don't know how that works because I'm not a brain chemist. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how it works? No, no, I don't. Okay, well, it has something to do with neurons, chemicals, electricities, right. and electricities, the plural. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, for some reason, the story you're going to tell is, is, a, is has stuck in your head. Yeah. And it's something. Do you ever think you'll forget it? No. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's hear about it, Mike. What, tell us about your pretty good day. When did it happen? Um, I don't remember the exact date. It was uh, March of, I want to say 2000, uh, maybe eight. Okay. So maybe, eight, maybe eight, maybe nine. Um, seven, eight years ago. If I looked it up, I could find it, but... I had been, that. I had been in. I interned at SNL for a little while, and then I was working as an assistant. And one of the nice things they let you do is they let you submit weekend update jokes. And f- for about two years, I was submitting jokes, and I just wasn't getting anything on. Before before we go yeah. on with the day, what's an intern at SNL do? An intern at SNL does everything from gets coffee, picks up, you know, somebody's like, you know, if they have like medication at the pharmacist, they'll go to the pharmacist. They'll run scripts between cameramen when they're doing the actual show itself. Uh, you know, just run errands in general. You're sort of like on call to almost be a gopher at all times. You're like a page in medieval days. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> do you get a Do you get a hat with a little feather, a little flat no. hat with a feather, and a, and a pillow with something on it? You get a special colored badge that lets everyone know that you're there, but you're not totally there. Okay, so that lets them know not to say certain things in front of you and right. things like that. Or right. like you know, like just not to like you know let you get food first. So you've been an intern for two years. A paid internship? No. No. Okay. So you're. How are you surviving? Uh, I was in uh, college then grad school. Okay. So so you're just living on those student loans. Living and, on those student loans, which I'm still paying for. Uh, yep. I know that feeling. Um, um, and then one day after a couple of years yeah. as an intern. Uh. Well, after a couple of years as an intern, uh, I graduated and I wasn't there anymore. And then I come back as an assistant. I got hired to be like a researcher, which was a cool job. But oh, but what's I, a researcher do? Researcher does. Uh. Uh. It's. I was specifically a photo researcher, so when it was like, you know, either it was like, you know, a push onto the White House at night, I would find that photo or that footage, or if it's like, you know, an over-the-shoulder graphic and Weekend Update, that'd be like, you know, today a monkey at a zoo, like, I'd find like the picture of a monkey, you know, because my job was basically to like go to our graphics banks that we had contracts with, things like AP, Getty, you know, either find the specific moment that they're talking about if they're like, you know, you know, President Bush fell over this way. And it's like, oh, we have that moment. Or if it's like President Bush signed a, an agreement, and you don't have that moment, but you have like a picture of him signing an agreement. Um, so that was my job. My wow. Full, yeah, it was that's a cool int- job. That's interesting. And I wanted to be a comedy writer. Like I knew, right? Like I was already doing stand up, and I was like, I want to be one of these guys who's a writer, and I really want to be a weekend update writer. And so they let you submit jokes. They let me submit jokes. How did that work? Did you just have like the submit joke card and drop in the submit joke box, or do you just it used like to walk be, up to Fallon and hand it to him, or what happens? It used to be faxing. They still sometimes people call it a faxer list just because that's what it was called years ago. Like you'd fax your jokes in, and then they'd like. And <sighs> uh, the way it works is they every day they email out a list of premises. 
a list of news stories, but premises in that, like, the news story is a one-sentence summary of that thing. And it's everything from, like, today the president did this, or today this movie star did this, to, like, things like, you know, people have found the world's fattest dog. You know, like, everything from, like, important news to entertainment to, yeah. like, goofy, you know, Skittles on the highway news. Um, <laughs> and, and you're allowed to submit 10 jokes a week. That's it. Okay. And I was doing it for two years, and I got nothing. Just nothing and i got close once or twice something would go to rehearsal then get cut or someone would be like oh we love that joke but you know like so, you know we just didn't have space for it i'm sorry well it's uh, a very tight timeline it's a there. tight timeline and there's people who are paid a lot of money to get those jokes on and they're much better like at the time one of the writers there is now the head writer at seth a guy named alex bays who i consider oh. the best joke writer in the english language wow okay in, like just and from this my is pers- the person you're trying to get jokes up next you're right to. yeah exactly um, and there's people like Doug Abels, who's also this amazing joke writer. Uh, Jessica Conrad, who's an amazing writer. Like, they had all these great people. So you're competing with – it's almost like you're like it's, – it's almost like if you're like auditioning – auditioning, trying out to be on like a high school football team, and then the other players are in the NFL. Okay. You know, and like once in a while you're going to ha- maybe have a moment, but probably not. And most people who submit never get anything on. Wow, and you've been doing it for two years. I'm two actually years. surprised the Writers Guild lets that happen. That's, that's interesting. It's a, it's a gray area. Um, oh, okay. Sh- fewer and fewer shows do it now because of the Writers Guild. I wondered. Um, and now that I'm in the Writers Guild, I'm like, of course we shouldn't do this. But like, <laughs> you know, of course I'm going to close this door behind me. Um, uh, but I like it, though, because I like it because it is something that you can try to do. And it definitely taught me to, like, analyze the construction of a, of a topical joke. Okay. Because... It's it's much harder than it looks. Can you can you describe that process for a second? The process is sort of like you look at the setup, then you then there has to be a sort of turn verbally. So you you know if you're like you know today, you know President Trump ordered a hamburger, and like you could say, you know something like or is is he put it or you know there's a different turn like then this happened. In other words, like you almost have to think of those like little transitional mm-hmm. phrases that set up where you're going to go with it and where the person should expect the unexpected thing to come from. Okay. And it's really it's 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 not easy to teach because it's such like a thing where you're like oh I sort of sense this is the way that this would turn to get to here and how to do an economy of words because the longer the second sentence is the more the people are forgetting the the setup. Okay. You know when you know I've seen my friends who do packets for shows a lot of times like they'll write jokes that are much longer than they need to be and it's almost like no you're writing a stand up joke ah. that requires like an emotion and like then like a follow through and then like a like like whereas you need to be like. This happened, which means this happened. So and a lot of economy. Uh, it a lot like of writing economy. A, writing a good tweet. Uh, it's a lot of it's writing good. Well, that's why you see so many like people like you know Bays or like you know Matt Goldich, who's a Seth writer, who's like really funny on Twitter, and he's a really funny monologue writer at Seth. Um, you know that's why a lot of the people do well on Twitter, and that's why I consider myself to have done okay on Twitter is because like I've learned that economy of words that like here's what you can cut out, but here's what's absolutely necessary to make this funny. Wow. Okay. So I have interrupted your story twice, oh, no, but okay. now we have that back, and I'll, I'll keep doing it probably. So you're a researcher yeah. at Saturday Night Live yeah. after being an intern, and for two years you've been faxing these in, and then and then uh, and nothing, nothing on, and like it's so frustrating because I, you know, deep down I don't know if I can do this. You know, I'm doing open mics, I'm doing like small book shows, but I'm not like going on the road and getting paid for stand up. Uh, I started freelancing for The Onion and started making that money that way, which was cool. But like, and I really love The Onion, but I was like, okay, maybe I can just do like internet humor. I don't know if I can do like TV humor, which, you know, now internet humor and TV humor are kind of the same thing because of streaming. Mm -hmm. But at the time I was like, okay, I can sort of do like the, you know, 
in sort of like a ghetto of comedy, like I can do the internet thing where I get paid $25 instead of like on TV where I'll exist forever, you know, like, <laughs> um, and that's how I felt when I was like, you know, 22 or 23 or 24. It was a different world then too. The yeah. way we thought about television and the internet were very different then. Yeah. Just a few years ago, but like before, like things like, you know, Netflix or Amazon screen streaming, like we're like, there's, there's a huge gulf. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was really depressed about it because I didn't know if I could do it. It wasn't like, I'm so sure of it that they're wrong. I'm like, you know, if honestly, before this day I'm describing, if someone had come up to me and been like, you're never going to do it, I'm going to be like, oh, you're right. Thank you for telling me. You know, almost <laughs> like if someone's like, listen, you're never going to be a basketball player. You're like, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry that I thought that. Okay. Um, so I, you know, it was a day and like, you know, I was at this point a researcher, so I saw the update jokes. And that was one of the things that was heartbreaking was every Saturday I'd come in and there would be a script on my on my chair, not even on my desk, on my chair. And the reason they gave me the script was because those are the photos I had to research. Okay. And you had to research way more photos than they finally used. And that's why I'd often get my hopes up because like I'd be on the first list. And I'd be like, oh, I have like one or two jokes on the first list. So, oh man, I'm going to do it. And then like, you get cut in the first round. And you're like, oh, okay. Or you'd get to rehearsal and a joke would die. And then they'd cut it and you're like, oh. And, it's, and being part of the process made it so much more painful because it wasn't malicious. They weren't like, ah, ah, not today, Buster. It'd be like the meritocracy. When you say a joke would die, you're saying that the rehearsal crowd didn't laugh? Is the that... rehearsal crowd didn't laugh. Oh. Um, I didn't realize that would have that much of an effect on what made the final script. That absolutely. Makes so much sense. Especially for something like uh, Weekend Update where it's like, you know, with a sketch, it, you know, sometimes you need the not laugh to build up a beat for something else in the sketch. But for a joke, it's like nobody laughed. The joke right. doesn't work. Um, so so this was a day in March and I don't, I don't remember who was hosting. You know, all I remember is sort of this narrow tunnel vision. Well, it's because this is what was important to right. you. That to, to me. That's okay. That, that's how memory works. We yeah. can't, we can't tell so much of the context. I, right. uh, the first one of these I ever did, I told the story of, of this wonderful day. I can't remember anything that happened before nine o'clock in the evening that day. Right. You know, so yeah, please continue. So, so I get, I get in, there's a, there's a joke in the script and it's not a it's here's the thing is it's not my it's not a good joke it's a it's a it's kind of a bad joke and the joke <laughs> you know the, I'll tell the joke now because it's if I build it up too much it'll seem like I'm waiting to hold it the joke is uh uh something something along the lines of like like 5000 VHS tapes of the complete uh the complete like run of the 700 club that religious show the 700 club is going on eBay Here's how that auction will go. Going once, going twice, sold to nobody because no one would want that. It wasn't even my favorite joke in my packet. It but was it was just the joke that It day. was just a joke that day. It's not a good joke, but it was on it was on the page. Well, somebody thought it was a good joke. Yeah, some Seth liked it. Uh so it was it was in the packet and I was like, okay, and sometimes that would happen where I'd see a joke and I'm like, oh that's Seth. I wouldn't even get my hopes up. So I saw it in the packet and I was like, all right, that's not staying. And I think Seth liked it, and Seth knew how to tell it the way Seth tells a joke. Okay. And so it was almost like a joke that was bad for me to tell myself, but Seth liked how he told it Seth-wise. So his cadence, his delivery, right. it suddenly works. So their first round, they, it's something they, I think they used to call it the bagel read, because they'd have bagels and read through jokes and cut. And it made it, made, <laughs> it, made it past the bagel read. Um, and then, so it like went to the first, the first rehearsal, not live rehearsal, but sort of like dry run. It went to the first dry run, stayed after that went to the rehearsal and it did fine. It didn't do great, but it did fine. And fine is almost worse than bad because with fine, you have hope. <laughs> with bad, you're like, okay, you know what? I'm disappointed, but now I can, you know, you know, have the rest of my night. Um, it did fine. And so I was sort of like, well, it did fine. Okay. 
And then is this and this Saturday afternoon. This is Saturday, this? Uh, maybe about nine p.m. Oh is when my. up like uh, re- rehearsal starts at eight. Updates around nine. Okay, so, so it's getting real close. And eleven thirty is air, and by eleven thirty everything is locked. Um, well, not really, but for the sake of like the way this would work. For the sake of this story, it's yeah, all it's locked. locked. Um, so around so nine it does fine, and then like you wait because I'm not in the meetings where they're picking. I'm just in my sort of research art department area where, you know, we have like graphic designers and we have other researchers and like we're all working together. So like we're just waiting for an intern, obviously, to give us a script, <laughs> you know, so someone who would have been me a couple years ago brings a script and it's in. And and I just remember having this moment. And the thing is, things will still sometimes get cut, even if they're in. Okay. Like even whole sketches, like sometimes you'll be like, oh, that was a weird edit that Saturday Night Live did there. It's just because like a sketch will run late or someone will break, you know, someone will break, meaning they'll laugh in the middle of a sketch and that'll stretch it out just a few seconds that they need to cut something. It's that tight. It's that tight. Wow. Because it's, it's, it's that tight. Um, so it's in the script and I'm, and this is the first time I've had something in the air script ever. And I remember being like, don't get your hopes up. This is not a good joke. You don't believe in it. And if something goes awry, this is definitely the first on a chopping block. Do you still think it's not a good joke or did you think it was not a good joke because you were setting yourself up for the fall? Honestly. I think both. I think I thought it was an, I thought it was an okay joke. I don't think I would have submitted it if I hated it. Um, but I also was like – it wasn't even my favorite. I know that it wasn't my favorite joke. I, I just know that the, the, uh, the idea of 5,000 VHS copies of the 700 Club yeah. is a funny idea. It's a funny just idea. Just by itself. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, just Pat Robertson's face kind of going – yeah, exactly. On all of them. Uh, okay, so you, you get you there. So like, it's, 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 it's the clock is ticking. The it's clock is ticking. Might get cut. Who's going to cut it if it gets cut? Who did makes that call? Uh, Seth Myers and a guy named Doug Abels, who was the head writer of Update at the time. Okay, they'll they'll cut it at the last right. second. To and, make the and Doug was a, Doug was slash is he's still alive? He's like a super cool guy. He's not at SNL anymore. He he like left to go pursue his own projects. But he was like, you know. Everyone there was always so cool and nurturing about it because they like could tell that I really wanted to be a part of it. But they're not going to put something in the show that doesn't work. You know, this is a per- this is Saturday Night Live, and whether or not you think it's funny, they're putting what they think is the best forward. They're not sure. going to like you know, you know, put me. It's not going to be like radio where they're going to like put me out there because it's like inspiring to people. You're, you're not Rudy. You don't get out right, of the exactly. last play because okay, yeah, right. yeah. Um, so you're no Sean Astin. So the show starts, and I'm like just like, and like updates not until like about you know 45 minutes an hour in so like you're like who cares who cares who cares political who cares who cares let's go and like the most anxious like the longest 45 minutes we get to update and like my heart's just pounding in my chest or are you just sitting in your office watching i was sitting in my office which you know it's sort of this artist bank where we have like five or six graphic artists who are the people who like you know because you give them the graphic but then they have to format it so you know put it in the box for the chiron um, for the what on the Chiron, you know, like when you see like a thing on the screen that says like you know like reporter or like Chiron's like the name of like when you see something superimposed on the screen. Oh, okay. you know, like when it says like, like lower thirds or something. Exactly, like that is exactly. Okay. All right. Um, and you know the over so they're the ones who format it. Like you deliver them the the raw file that you download off like AP or Getty, and they format it for the director. Is anybody in the room aware of what's going on with you? Yeah, because I wouldn't stop talking about it. Ah, <laughs> okay. So you're do- you're not sitting and silently you're suffering. Right. No. You, you, right. You, when did you start telling people that it might get on? Um, I think, well, my boss was a guy named Tom Wilson, and he was the head researcher, and he had been there for like 20 years. Okay. He was like this old dog. He was a really cool dude, but he was like sort of like a man's man. Like he, like, he definitely voted for Trump. Like sort of like... <laughs> 
sort of like not a, not a bad guy, but like definitely a guy who's like men are men, women are women, and if you if you're doing something, you say it, you know. So like every day he'd be like, "You got any jokes in?" And he's not being a jerk; he's just being like a man. Um, <laughs> if that makes sense, you know what I mean. <laughs> I, right now, all I have is an image of like a Sears Roebuck catalog cover from the 1930s, right? With like a guy like fishing, like he was, a, but he's he was standing in the water, fly fishing, and he's right. catching like a shark in a freshwater right. river, like that kind of dude. And, and okay, and he maybe not. I don't want to say he like I don't want to like libel him or something and say he voted for Trump, but I, there's a good chance. But like he definitely like he had like he had like artificial teeth that got knocked out playing rugby. You know, I mean, like he had like artificial teeth replacing real teeth that got knocked out playing rugby like he was a man okay so like every day he'd be like you got anything in there by, by the most stereotypical like definition possible exactly all right so he's there with you every day he's like you got a joke you got a joke and i was like no and, and he wasn't being a jerk about it he was just being supportive in the way that you know he knows how to and so we'd like Did he to give you a noogie it. afterward like if you said no uh no he was just like he's like ah maybe next time all right and so uh uh so like I'm like pacing and I'm nervous and like he's kind of making fun of me because like he kind of wants I think he's not like it's not going to happen. I think he wants to be like let's let's just let's not, you know, put all of our hopes on, you know, up there if something goes awry. And so we get to update and like, you know, update at the time with Seth uh and Amy had like sort of like this like very like bombastic music it starts with and it's just like very like and I have so many memories just tied to that old update opening music. Can you hum it? it was, I can't because it was like all like, it's like bells can you, can and stuff. Can you bomb it? Bum, bum, like, like, I can't. I okay. can't. I can only hear it. It's, it's just too beautiful. It's just too beautiful. Um, um, so that started and then like it was like in the middle and then they get to it and he tells it and it does fine. It doesn't do great, but it does fine. But I got a joke live on, and it's live. Like if they edit it out later, that's fine. But in the live version, it is broadcast to America and I have won the day. I got a joke on the show, and I remember because we were in an area on a different floor from where they shoot. Like our, because of the way Thirty Rockefeller Center is constructed, like you know they were taping on the eighth floor, but our artist bank was, I think, on the fifth floor. Okay. And part of it was under construction, but since it was so late at night on a Saturday, that construction area was empty. And I went into this sort of bare floor and like looked out this like row of windows that didn't have any blinds on them, just sort of out at New York City. And I was like, I wrote a joke for television. I got a joke on TV. You know, I if I never do it again, I have at least done it once. Yeah. You know, like they had a story about um, in the news recently about like this for an NHL team. He's like an equipment manager, and he was like 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 a decade ago, he was a goalie in amateur hockey leagues, and basically both goalies were injured, so they put him out on the ice. Oh wow! And even though that was his only time on the ice, he still was in the record books as an NHL goalie yeah. for that moment. And that's how it felt. Like, that's the exact feeling you get where it's like, maybe this is my one time that I get to be a goalie. But in the record books, you know, when all things are considered, like, if, like, God had, like, a record of every piece of humor ever written for television, that would be mine. And there you are. And there I am. And I just remember, like, looking out at, like, at New York and sort of having this feeling of, like, I, I did this. And then I went to, like, the after party and, like... Honestly, nothing in my hierarchy changed on the show because I was already pretty well liked. It's, you know, they knew that I wanted to be a comedy writer. Like, they knew that I, I appreciated what they did and I was always nice to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have that, you know, attitude that often cripples a lot of people early on where they're like, I'm the funniest person in the world. Like, I was like, I, I you know, I'm still very meek, but, you know, naturally, but I was like, you know, I went to the party and, like, I not like bragged about it. I was like, I'm. I wrote a joke for the show. I'm here at the party. Like, there's some writers here who had nothing on the show this week. I had more than some of the writers on the show this week, you know. And it was such a moment of like, 
Do you remember anyone's reaction to, to your excitement? Yeah, they were excited for me because yeah. they knew that I was trying for so long. And Anybody think, in particular come to um, mind? Or? Like pa Paula Pell, for example. Paula yeah. Pell is this comedy writer who's been doing it for decades. I actually wrote with her on the Golden Globes this year, which was awesome because I was like, Paula, we're both here. We're both, you know, and like she, to say we're equals would be to do her a grave injustice because she wrote for 30 Rock and she wrote for, you know, she came up with, um, you know, um, Omeletteville, like that Justin Timberlake thing, where he yeah. wears like the, that's her. Oh wow! Like she like came up with a lot of like she Debbie Downer. That's her. I I'm pretty sure that's her. I could be wow. if I'm wrong. I apologize, Paula. Um, but I'm like she's like a classic classic. There's some angry writer out there like, like how oh, dare he? <laughs> but like Paula is this like classic awesome writer. And I remember like telling her I was like Paula, I got something on, and she was like she was like that's so amazing. And I was like telling like Simon Rich, and I was like and Simon's younger than me, but he's a genius, so whatever. And I was like Simon, I got something on, and I was so excited. And like Seth was like, you did it. You got like Seth like gave me the cue card. He got the cue card. He signed it, and I gave that to my parents. You know, and Seth, you have the cue card. I have the cue card. Oh my gosh, Mike, that's great. And it's and it was this moment of like, you know, not like you know anything's possible or now my whole life's gonna be fine or even this is my career, but I have done this. You did it. Even if I never do it again, I did it once, and that was the most important thing. Yata. Exactly. Yeah, that's. Uh, Beautiful. Mike, thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, of course. That's a great story. And, and you know, in the epilogue is, hey, you did end I did up it. writing for the show. <laughs> and now you write for other shows. Right. Uh, you're writing for, uh, why don't you let people know what you're up to right now? Uh, right now, I am co-head writer on Bill Nye Saves the World, which is coming to Netflix in the spring. And I'm writing on a show called Adam Ruins Everything on True TV. Wow. So you are a professional television writer now. Look at you. That's right. Holy cow. You ended up working on SNL. You've done all kinds of interesting things. And you also do stand-up. And yep. uh, you're doing Sketchfest this weekend here yep. uh, right now in San Francisco. Uh, people can find you other places. Where uh, on Twitter at Mike Drucker on Twitch. If you uh, play games at Mike Drucker, I am also on Instagram. Uh, Mike Drucker is dead. Mike, uh, that's I'd say that's a pretty good day. Yeah, that uh, was a great day. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I wow, I really got caught up in that. Yeah. I, I, I want to pick your brain. That this this isn't the theme of the show. Sometime later, I, I'd yeah. love to love to hear you talk about the process of how it all works, how it comes together. I'm sure you've been asked this a billion times. Sure, but, sure, uh, sure. Be a fun thing for audience sometime. But today, uh, I want to thank you for sharing that pretty good day. Folks, if you have a good day you want to tell us about, give us a, a brief story. Send it to mail at pocketsfullsoup.com, and uh, we'll read it on the air, just like uh, this one we're about to read now. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, all. Uh, just a couple of community uh, pretty good days uh, to read to you here, out loud, uh, from Patrick. A pretty good day I've had was taking my dad to see The Force Awakens. We grew up poor, so we never got to do many things like that. It felt good to finally be in a place in life where I could take my dad out to lunch in a movie, and seeing his face as he saw the first movie he'd seen since Return of the Jedi, and react to the 3D. So that's from Patrick, a pretty good day in his life. That sounds like a good day. And from Jordan, uh, from Oklahoma City, who shares uh, this pretty good day with us, which came from a Facebook post he made at one point. This morning, I had the means to get to work. She got nifty hoodies, a steak lunch, and paid. I also finished moving into a new place today, a place closer to one of my sisters, so we can watch weekly shows we hook each other on, and I can see the nephews and niece more often, a place far more rural than I'm used to, so I can look up at the beautiful night sky and enjoy the stars a little more, a place without close neighbors so I can practice trombone and piano without getting irrational and silly levels of performance anxiety. Life isn't perfect, and it's easy to dwell on that sometimes. But in actuality, I'm still pretty blessed. That's from Jordan. A lot of you guys have written in things, and I'll be reading more as we go. But if you've got a pretty good day you want to share, send it to mail at pocketsfullsoup.com. 
That's mail at pocketsfullofsoup.com. A pretty good day is uh, our new show here at Pockets, and I hope you're enjoying it. We're going to continue to figure out how this is all going to work together. Uh, but in the meantime, your support and your patronage, your subscriptions, all those things mean a lot. I'll see you next time, guys. Bye-bye.